Well, Shreveport is uh, under construction, wouldn't you say? Pretty much any street you go down, especially the one that's right out in front of this building, you're going to come across some big hole in the road with maybe uh, some warning right before you crash into it. And uh, chances are it's been that way. The one that's right down the street this way on Olive and then the one that's on Highland, those have been out there, I think, since 2010. Uh, But it seems like every street in town is under construction or in some long process of construction. Well, have you ever been rolling down the the road or maybe down the highway on your way to work, uh, trying to get somewhere on time only to be stopped by a roadblock? Ever had that happen to you? I mean, there you are. You're making progress. Maybe you're even a few minutes early. And I know that's hard to believe that any of us, Church for the Highlanders, would be early for anything. But on our way, headed somewhere, And then all of a sudden, we see the red brake lights off in the distance. And we think, I don't know what is going on. And as you get closer and closer, you see that you are soon a part of that line of red brake lights. It happened to me just the other day on 49. uh, As it turns out, there was a terrible, terrible wreck up ahead. But you could see people rushing, going well over 60, 65. And then all of a sudden, these brake lights just hitting. But maybe maybe that has happened to you as well. And then after you sit there a while, and then eventually you kind of inch your way on up there, you see this orange-vested person, this worker who is out there uh, under a white hard hat, holding a honey bun in one hand and holding a detour sign in the other. Have you seen this site? Uh, And as you drive up, you see that, Uh, this is not going to work out. And you begin to feel the stress of being late for work and wondering how you're going to explain this tardiness to your boss. You pause for a moment with envy as you look out at this guy eating his honey bun and you think, wow, if I had a job like that, life would be so much better. I mean, that's a great job. How stress-free would that be? Just standing there with a sign. You don't have to say anything. You just stand there. And that's what he does. Well, that's really what the angel in our Easter story, our account from Mark's gospel, that's what he was doing. He may not have been eating a honey bun. Maybe it was holy manna or something. But he was standing there perhaps even sitting there at the empty tomb with the directions about a detour, telling people that they were going to have to go a different way to arrive at their destination. If you look back in your gospel text, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one right there on the pew in front of you that has been given uh, in memory or in honor of someone. If you look there in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, Mark is our earliest gospel. And it's the shortest, but it gets right to the point. So by the time we get to Mark chapter 16, we find out what is is going on with Jesus and what's happened after the crucifixion. Mark says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe with an orange vest. No, it doesn't doesn't say that. Just checking to make sure y'all are reading along. With a white robe sitting on the right side, and they are alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, 
who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The three women were on their way to give care to Jesus' body in the tomb. This was their role. This was their task. Their minds were very much on this task, as you will see in paintings and uh, in mosaics and all different kinds of artwork. You can see this on their faces. These were friends of Jesus. These were, in fact, uh, followers of Jesus, and one being also the mother of Jesus. And as they go to their task, as their hearts were broken into pieces after seeing Him crucified, this was going to be a task for them that even though it was difficult, it was going to be good for them in the midst of their grief. And you probably know what that's like. When a loved one dies, it's easier to stay busy and to keep your mind off of the death and to be able to do something that reminds you about life and keeps you going. And this was the case for them. And you could even say they were still in shock. But this is what they were doing, as they no doubt continued to feel the helplessness of not being able to do anything at all for Jesus. Can you imagine seeing Jesus taken away? This Jesus that you had grown to love, this Jesus that had demonstrated for you every bit of grace and love, unconditional love, and yet you see Him crucified on a cross and there's not a thing in the world you can do for Him. Well, you can do something for Him. You could take these spices and these oils and anoint His body after his death. And so this is what they do. And so they they made their way to their destination only to be stopped there by a guy with a detour sign. Imagine being the angel who gets that assignment. Think about that for a moment. You're busy being an angel. I mean, you're in the clouds or whatever heaven is like and, and you're busy doing all kinds of angelic kinds of things and all of a sudden God calls you up and hands you your next job. says, it's time for you to do something else. I really believe in you, God says. I've got something that I need you to do. Yes, yes, God tells you. That's all I need you to do. What? God says, no, no. You don't have to stand up the whole time. You can sit. But you must not scare the people as you angels usually do. Remember Bethlehem? and Do you remember when Jesus was born? You guys scared those shepherds. They were just running from you. They were terrified. They began to uh, wonder what in the world is going to happen. Don't do that this time. Just tell them not to be scared. But be sure to tell them where they are to go. Don't just say you can't be here. You need to go elsewhere. Tell them where to go. And tell them to to be prepared when they get there. Jesus is going ahead into Galilee. He is not here. And so the angel takes his place and he speaks the obvious. He is not here. No, he's not here. 
To get to him, he told them they would need to take a different route. One that would go to a very unexpected kind of place. One that would go to Galilee. The angel's message wasn't just for the three women. It wasn't just for the other disciples who would later arrive at the tomb. It is for us to hear as well, isn't it? It is for us to be able to take down deep inside of us and to contemplate for our own lives. His cush job mattered more than he probably thought as he got this assignment from God. God knew that we would need to hear this message today. It is a message for a people who are on a journey, uh, this journey to see Jesus. Chances are that's why you're here today. You are here either because you've seen Him before, Or you have this longing inside of you to connect to what God has done in the world through Jesus. This is a message for us when we no longer think Jesus is alive. As our hearts are broken with disappointment that Jesus is no longer there for us. I was talking with someone recently who said he just no longer could believe in Jesus because Jesus had not been there for him. That's a disappointment we probably have all felt at different times. That Jesus has gone from us. He can no longer help us. The Jesus that we thought we knew has been crucified and is gone. It is for us to hear when we forget about the resurrection, focusing only on death and loss. What a shame that is. When we look at death and we look at a grave or a headstone and we think that's all there is, we forget about resurrection. It is for us to hear when we see decay and death all around us, having the hope that we had for a better world crushed by the senseless violence and hatred of a harsh world. And we indeed are living in a world that is very violent. I mean, you can't miss it. You open the newspaper, you uh, look at your online news, you talk to people in your neighborhood, you find out about all of the violence and the hatred that goes on, even right here in our own community. It is for us to hear when we've turned every which way in life and we are still just as lost as when we started out. It is for us to hear as we remember our need for Hosanna. Remember when we used that word last week for Palm Sunday? We came in waving palm branches as we listened to the beautiful jazz music. And it was a real celebration. And we said, Hosanna, Lord, save me. You are my Messiah. I want you to be my king. Maybe we went into the week remembering our problems, our problems that sometimes seem too big for Hosanna. Hosanna, one who had come into our lives to free us from the oppression of others as well as from the heavy chains of our own sins. And again, we admit, as we've done all through Lent, we are all sinful, aren't we? We're all sinners. We have all strayed from the way of God. And just when we think we are so good that that doesn't happen to us, then it does, right? We put a target on ourselves. 
In all of that, we are to hear from this worker that Jesus is not there. He is not there in all of that. He has come through that. He has uh, succeeded in every way over all of that evil. And we are to hear this way to find him in the midst of of the places that he goes, into our Galilees. And this message is really timely. It is good for us to be rerouted. And sometimes God just loves to put up a detour sign, doesn't he? We think we're headed in the right direction. And God sends either someone or something, or uh, somehow he tells us to go in a different direction that makes all the difference in the world. It is also good for others, for all the other people who are stuck in the traffic of our human existence. And that's why God has called you and me to do this work that we are doing at Church for the Highlands. We are messengers who have been called upon by God to stand out there at all of the points of detour in our neighborhood and in our community. It's like that angel who was out doing some other things, and God says, I need you. I need you to come, and I want you to stay at this particular place, at this intersection of Olive and Highland. And I want you to to stay right there and be sure to point people in the right direction. It's a simple message. He has risen. He is not here. He is alive. What a great job that is, isn't it? Though it's not always easy, it is for sure the best job you could ever have. We are entrusted with the responsibility of pointing people into the right direction, to where they will find the Jesus who is truly alive. The ribbon that's on your name tag. And if you don't have a ribbon, uh, let us know. Because having a ribbon indicates that you are on a particular missional team that serves here in our building as well as in the community. But the ribbon indicates which intersection God has placed you in to direct traffic. Some of you are giving the message to veterans. Some are directing traffic with children in the lighthouse. Many are positioned at the Highland Blessing Dinner or in one of the other Highland Center ministries. Some of you share the message with the people of Visions of Hope. In all of these locations, God is counting on us to participate with Jesus in rerouting traffic away from the road that leads to nowhere. To the road that leads to life. As Jesus said, life that is to the full. Back in 2005, after Hurricane Katrina stormed the shores of our state and Mississippi, NBC reported on many of the attempts to rescue people from their flooded homes. And one of them was about Chris Moritz, who decided to ride out Hurricane Katrina, and now doesn't think much of his choice. He describes his decision as optimistic, naive, curious, and dumb. The fury of the storm left him trapped in his Waveland, Mississippi house, and water poured in going from ankle deep to hip deep in five minutes. Pretty scary stuff. NBC says the building actually started shuddering. And he says, I jumped out and I swam. 
After finding refuge, Moritz left a message so that his family, who were living in Tucson, Arizona, so that they would know that he was still alive. The 36-year-old painted his note on the roof of a splintered and submerged home. And the message read, C. Moritz is alive. Pass it on. Also included was the phone number of Chris's brother, Gerard. He says, I probably had about a hundred calls, Gerard Moritz said. Some were as far away as Puerto Rico and Canada. In a similar way, on this Easter Sunday, we see and we hear the message left by someone long ago. Someone standing at an empty tomb. He has risen. He is not here. Pass it on. Let us pray. God, we thank you today that we have good news. Even on this morning when it is raining and when the skies are cloudy, we realize that this is a blessed morning. This is a time to celebrate life and to become those who share this message of life with the world around us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have the opportunity to respond to this message of Jesus, to find that He is alive, and as we place our belief in Him, as we commit our lives to Him, we find this eternal life as well. We give you thanks, for He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.